0: Raging Cajun, one oh two point seven FM.
1: A Monday
2: warrior, mean, means Sawyer, me, me, stride, today's time so you me.
3: going on Louisiana? It is play by play coming to you live here on this Wednesday. It is our hump day show. Casey Justclair here. Happy to be with you all after a day off. Uh, my bad for missing yesterday had a couple little things going on that we had to take care of, but we're back today and we're full steam ahead and we're going to have our usual Wednesday show. We've got um, let's see what we've got. We've got Taylor Griffin at 1215. We've got BJ Young at noon. We didn't get to our Terrebonne General Tuesday yesterday, so we're going to get Stan tomorrow, or we're going to try to get Stan tomorrow on Thursday to talk about everything happening in our area. Uh, we've got our mailbag. We've got everything that's uh, that you would usually hear on a Wednesday show coming to you today. So, let's dive right into it. Let's thank our sponsors for allowing us to be here today on Wednesday. The Blue Boot Foundation, Bents RV, located on Highway 90 in Boutique, Southland Dodge and Homa. Industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. do building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz-off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's markets feels like home. Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Reminder, join us every Friday night for varsity football coverage, pregame 6.30, kickoff 7 o'clock. South LaFouche and Morgan City on Friday in Galliano. Our broadcast is sponsored by 3T Oil, Lady of the Sea General Hospital, State Bank and Trust Company, Advanced Eye Institute, State Farm Agent Ashley Barrios, Danos, Golden Motors, New Friend Building Materials, Tanner McGee for Judge Court of Appeals, Thibodeau Regional Medical Center, Joe Septic Contractors, Terrebonne General Medical Center, Southland Dodge, Rouse's Markets, uh, South LaFouche Bank, Rev, and then also Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafouche Paris Judge Division A. So we've laid the groundwork for today's show. We've told you when BJ's coming on. We told you when Taylor's coming on. The mailbag will be at twelve thirty. Betting picks at the bottom of the show. <clears throat> so let's dive right in. Let's set the stage for what we should expect to see in week seven of our local high school football schedule. We've look, we've we've chronicled this here on the show. It's been a rough year for our local high school football teams. It has. Very few of our local teams are sitting in a position right now where they're expecting to make the playoffs. Most of our local teams are sitting in a position right now where they're having to win a bunch here in the next couple of weeks to even give themselves a chance. So when we look at the scoreboard, or not the scoreboard, but like the schedule and the slate of games, we see again for the second straight week there are a lot of local teams who are going to be underdogs, who are not going to be expected to win. But that's okay because guess what? Ellender maybe wasn't expected to win last week against Terrebonne, and they found a way. You got to line up. You got to play with your 22 on the field, or not 22 on the field, but you know what I mean 11 on offense, 11 on defense. And you got to make it happen. Central LaFouche has a tough one. They're traveling the reserve to take on East St. John. East St. John's undefeated this year. East St. John's one of the best teams in the state of Louisiana this year. We don't talk about the river as much because, you know, our signal doesn't go out to the river, but we follow the river very closely because, you know, they're in our local district. The Wildcats are ridiculously good. They're undefeated. That's going to be a stiff challenge for Central Lafouche, Central Lafouche team that since getting their first win, the wheels have kind of started to shake again. They lose to Franklin, lose to Destrahan. They've really struggled. Destrahan, maybe the best team in 5A. They've crushed everybody that they have played. They're traveling to Homa on Friday night to take on Terrebonne. Tyler Lewis and his team. Remember we said Tyler Lewis and the Terrebonne Tigers had a three-game stretch and they had to win them all? They won the first two but then slipped up on Friday against Ellender. The reason why we said they had to win every single one in that stretch is because their schedule now is brutal. And it begins with a home matchup with Destrehan. A Destrehan team that It's like doing the Mike Tyson thing right now. They've not been challenged. Every single fight that they've had so far has been a first-round knockout. Now, part of the Mike Tyson thing was that if you could get him into the fifth round, maybe you had a chance. Maybe he tired out. Can anybody play with Destrehan long enough to get it to the third quarter with a chance to win? That remains to be seen. But it's a Destrehan team right now that on the season has not even remotely been tested, and they have faced – Quality competition, but they've won forty nine nothing, forty two to 42 to 41 to 47 nothing, and forty nine to nothing. They have given up eleven points this season total in six games, and they have scored more than forty points on every single opponent that they have played. So it's a destrohand team that is the odds on favorites to go ten and zero. Look at the rest of their schedule; they've got Terrebonne, Sulphur, East Saint John, and Thibodeau. Um, they're favored to be undefeated going into the playoffs, and they're sitting in good shape. They're going to be taking on a terrible team who's going to be looking for um, something to feel good about, quite frankly. HL Bourgeois traveling to take on Thibodeau. Thibodeau has been struggling. This will be um, a step down in competition for Thibodeau, but I warn Thibodeau of this. I know what those kids over there are thinking. They're thinking, man, we've played St. James. We've played Lutcher. We've played Hanville. We've played... Uh, yeah, East St. John, we've played everybody that there is to play. Now we play in bourgeois. And I could I could feel, like I could feel it in the air. You go outside, you feel a breeze. I don't think it's a breeze. I think it's those folks in Thibodeau exhaling like, <sighs> like finally we don't have to face a top 10 team. If that's the mentality and the mindset going in, Thibodeau's going to be in a whole hell of a lot of trouble on Friday. But let me tell you something, HL Bourgeois plays hard. They play tough. They've got a strong quarterback power running game. They could shorten a game. Thibodeau better play their best on Friday because if if for if even so much as a split second, they think, all right, it's a step down this week. We got this one. It's going to be a close game in the third and fourth quarters, and they're going to have to figure out a way to make it happen. That'll be the test for Thibodeau staying focused and playing with that same level of intensity despite maybe having not as strong of an opponent. Hanville traveling to take on Lutcher. That's two River teams. That's going to be a test. is really good. Hanville's really good. That's going to be a big, big-time matchup out there in 5A versus 4A. Um, let's go into 4A. We've got Ellender on Thursday night hosting Assumption. Ellender right now is 2-0 in district play. They have beaten Morgan City. They have beaten um, South Terrebonne, and they're coming off of a win against Terrebonne. I saw Assumption on Friday, and look, yeah, I, they scored a zillion points on Friday. But I'm telling you, man, like, they're a little one-dimensional. Like, they don't throw it all that well. And, like, I know that they had some touchdown passes against South LaFouche, but it was mostly just kind of dump it off and let the athlete go run and make a play. You're not going to run past Ellender's athletes like you would, you know, South LaFouche on Friday. That's going to be a closer game than people realize. Like, a lot of folks are just assuming Assumption's going to win by three touchdowns. I don't see it that way. I think if Ellender runs the ball, gets their ground game going, and gets off to a strong start, gets something to feel good about early, they're going to be in this thing, man. Like they're not bad. You look at some of their losses early in the season. You know, losing the Country Day and you know uh, Helen Cox. Like those aren't bad teams, and they're not getting blasted by those teams. I think Ellender's going to be in that one throughout the course of the game. Also in our local 4 A district on Thursday night also, we've got Vanderbilt who will be hosting South Terrebonne. Another opportunity for Vanderbilt to maybe build some momentum. They got a win last Friday, try to build some momentum and get a win over South Terrebonne. Or on the flip side, it's a chance for South Terrebonne to get a strong road victory and what would be their best win of the season. The game you'll be able to hear right here is a homecoming night matchup for South Lafourche hosting Morgan City. Um we chronicled our thoughts on the Tarpons on Monday. you got to play focused. You can't take anything for granted. Play hard. Play to the best of your ability. Don't overlook Morgan City and assume it's going to be an easy win. The Tarpons actually practiced at like 5 o'clock in the morning today so that the kids could participate in messy games. You've got distractions. you got the bonfire. you got everything in between, everything in the world to try to pull those boys down. It'll be a big test to see how the Tarpons stay focused against a Morgan City team who would love nothing more than to come down here and spoil your homecoming. One of the games of the night in the area is going to be happening in Morgan City. You got Berwick, who's undefeated, 6-0, traveling to take on Central Catholic, who's loaded to the gills. If Berwick is able to beat Central Catholic, it's time we all stand up and say, hey, these dudes are legit. And I'm almost already there, because look, last Friday, Berwick opened up district with Donaldsonville. And Donaldsonville is a little bit down from what where they normally are. And I would have been willing to say, like, oh, that's not a great win had they won, you know, like 28 to 27. No, they beat the hell out of Donaldsonville. 33 to 12. Berwick is 6-0. and Berwick is playing exceptionally well. And now they take on Central Catholic. That would be a fun matchup of two really good teams. E.D. White taking on the aforementioned Donaldsonville. Don't anticipate any issues there for the Cardinals. They should be heavily favored in that one. Homa Christian is taking on a um, a non-LHSA opponent. So if you go to the LHSA schedule, it's going to say open date. It's not an open date. They're just not taking on an LHSA opponent. So we'll see how the Christian Warriors do there. And then CCA is hosting Highland Baptist. It'll be an opportunity over at Nichols State University for the Lions to try to get a victory and try to stay on track. It's play-by-play here on KLEB. Let's catch a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk maybe a little NFL, maybe a little Saints, maybe a little LSU. We'll try to get to the bottom of some of this stuff. But then we'll dive right back into high school at noon because we've got B.J. Young with South LaFouche High School coming at noon Then Taylor Griffin at 1215. And then the mailbag is full to the gills, 1230. We'll be talking about all the things that you guys want to get answered. It's play-by-play here on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. There are over 3,600 RV dealerships in North America, and just over 1% of those earn the prestigious Top 50 Dealer Award. Benz RV is proud to be in that 1%. Being a Top 50 dealer takes dedication to our customers, offering the best RV brands in the market, great service, and a huge parts selection. Our goal at Bens RV is to enhance customer experiences through our commitment to customer satisfaction. Come on over to Bens RV to experience a Top 50 dealer or visit us at BenzRV.com.
5: Guaranteed.
2: Hoorah! I am Wilbur Lewis, a Vietnam veteran. With the help of some generous donors, I'm trying to get our local veterans together, along with their wives, for a Veterans Day dinner at the VFW Hall in La Rose on November the 12th at 6.30 p.m. If I have not contacted you yet and you are interested in attending the dinner, please text me your name and phone number and the branch of service, 985 637 3849-637-3849. Three, three, Hoorah! Thank you.
3: Hi, I'm Nichols Head Football Coach Tim Rebo. Winning a football game starts with a great game plan, and so does fighting pests. Terminex will protect your home and business from termites, roaches, mice, and even mosquitoes. Call the local team, Dan and Billy Foster at Terminex of HOMA. They will drop a winning game plan to tackle your pests. Terminex is a proud supporter of Nichols Athletics. Go, Go Colonels.
6: Colonels. Hello friends and family, Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Friend building materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system? Called DoFriend Easy Buy. Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bellchase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference.
7: Made in America. A simple idea that means everything at Mueller Metal Roofs and Buildings. It means local branches dealing with friends and neighbors you trust. It means innovation leading the way with better solutions. It means caring about our products and even more about the people who use them. It means pride in a job well done. Mueller. Made in America. Made to last.
3: It's play-by-play play here on KLEB. A couple of notes locally, and then I'll kind of expand and open the umbrella. I uh, want to give a shout-out to the Thibodeau High School boys' swimming team and then also to the E.D. White girls' swimming team. They win the LaFouche Parish Championships yesterday over at the Cutoff Youth Center Pool. E.D. White's girls accumulate 537 points to Outlast runner-up South Lafouche, who had 383 points. On the boys' side, Thibodeau accumulates four hundred and seventy-nine points to outlast E. D. White, who finishes the run-up with four hundred and forty-four. So congratulations to Thibodeau on the boys, E. D. White on the girls for making it happen. Then another thing, <clears throat> look, I don't promote my newspaper stuff as much as maybe I could. Um, just not that type of person. Uh, you know, I try to, you know, let the work speak for itself, I guess. But if you guys have the chance and have the opportunity go to the LaFouche Gazette website and read our story this week on Coach Connie Kale, who has dedicated just decades to coaching and working with students. And you know she taught at the center, and you know has worked with people musically and has volunteered. And Coach Connie is an awesome person and uh, has done so much for so many. And anytime there's a swim meet, especially a big swim meet like. You know, regionals or parish or district or whatever it may be um you know we certainly could count on seeing you know her presence at the pool and I know she was out there yesterday so just go and you get an opportunity to go out your way and read about that a wonderful woman who is now in her 70s but is still making a difference it's motivational and it's inspirational uh, so kudos to her for that I attended some middle school football yesterday um uh, middle schools in Lafouche are off for fall break this week, but there was a makeup game yesterday between Raceland and East Thibodeau, a game that very early in the season got washed out because of a lightning delay. I was actually intending to be at the original game, so I saw it on the schedule, said, you know what? I got two options today. I could either stay home and watch the MLB games on TV, or I could you know, go out and get some pictures of the middle school game. The Braves had lost. Um, I to hell with with you know staying home and watching everybody else compete I didn't want to watch the Dodgers and the Yankees and everything was going to be a reminder of how much better those teams are than I am Um, so we went out to the game and Lockport gets a 21 to 20 win over East Thibodeau it was 21 to 12 for the longest East Thibodeau scores at the end makes it 21 to 20 but never gets the ball back Lockport ices it out and again Another middle school game that's decided by an extra point. Lockport earlier in the game and made an extra point and it ended up being the one point in the game that was the difference. So good victory for Lockport. The Pirates are much improved. East Thibodeau has some athletes, they just don't have enough of them. Um, you know they, they've got like twenty some kids, like barely in the low twenties. We're not talking like twenty nine in the low twenties, and they just gas out. They just get tired. They get frustrated. They get annoyed with one another after a while. Uh, but they play hard. They compete, and they've got some guys that if you get them in space could do some damage. A little number 10 for them. I'm going to try to get the name of him. A uh, little running back, and they also do some uh, some wildcat stuff with him at quarterback. He's exceptional. Uh, logport has got a, a Mac kid that's very good. They've got a Crosoni kid that's very good. They've got some boys that are working hard. So kudos to Logport for getting a win. There's only one other game on the middle school schedule this week. It's a game that uh, will be played on Thursday night and that'll be between Sixth Ward and Raceland out at Central Lafouche High School. Uh, so if we're making it out to that, we will do our best to go and, and, and recap and tell you how Sixth Ward and Raceland went. Now let's talk about the MLB playoffs. There were four playoff games yesterday. One of them broke my heart. The others broke Seattle's heart, and there, there, were, some, there were some interesting outcomes. The Phillies in the opener, um, the first game of the day, they beat the Atlanta Braves 7-6. to six. The Phillies lead one game to nothing in the series. The Braves now are approaching today, which is a must win. You can't fall down 0-2 and then be going to Philadelphia and have to win both games. Like, you got to win today. But I'm not yet all the way like, hey, let's push the panic button on Atlanta yet uh, yet because the Braves actually played okay at times yesterday. They left a zillion guys on base. They left the bases loaded, stranded twice without scoring. They had guys all over the bases. They drew seven walks. They had nine hits. They scored six runs. They did rally at the end and got a home run in the ninth to cut it to one. They lose seven to six. They're actually getting blown out for a lot of the game. I think the key for Atlanta today is going to be can you get Zach Wheeler out of the game early enough to try to dent up the Philly bullpen because The Philly bullpen showed yesterday that there's not a whole lot back there that you have to, like, fear, that you have to, like, be overly afraid of. The Braves got some runs off of Eflin. They had some rallies off of, you know, Brogdon, and, you know, they had some good at-bats against hand. And, you know, Alvarado was dominant. He pitched well, and Dominguez was pretty good. But if you could get to their bullpen early enough, there's not a whole lot there that you have to be scared of. And then on the flip side to that, I just don't know that Philly's going to be able to score at the level that they did in game one without the home run. The Phillies were blooping, <clears throat> bunning, getting seeing eye single after seeing eye single. They didn't have a whole lot of hard hit balls yesterday. They were just hitting it where the defense wasn't. And they do get the 7-6 to six win. Now Atlanta has to win today, and they've got to do it against a great pitcher. Zach Wheeler is incredible. That's a tall task but I'm not all the way full on hitting the red panic button just yet. I do think the Braves have a better team than the Phillies, but you got to make it happen today. Now, if I'm the Seattle Mariners, everything that I just said a minute ago about not hitting the panic button, I am hitting the panic button if I'm the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners gave the Astros their absolute best shot yesterday. Came out of the gates. They chased Verlander out of the game. Got a 4-0 lead and then got a 6-2 lead in the fourth inning. They're rolling. It looks like they're going to storm out to a game one win. And then they just can't make it happen. It just doesn't work out. The Astros rally back. They get two in the eighth, three in the ninth on a big, thrilling walk-off home run from Jordan Alvarez. They get an 8-7 to seven win. If I'm a Seattle fan right now, I'm saying to myself in the back of my mind, we've got two more games left in our season. You gave them the best shot that you had, a you know a, a uppercut that landed squarely to the jaw, and you did knock them back on their heels, but you didn't knock them off their feet. And when they delivered their flurry, they knocked your ass out. The Astros are not going to be as bad in the next few games early as they were in game one. They're not going to fall behind 4-0. They're not going to fall behind 6-2. Their pitching is going to start to control the rest of the series. The Mariners are in deep. They were a big underdog coming in. They are in deep. They're not ready for these problems that they're facing right now against Houston, who has a better roster and a better postseason pedigree. Out in the Bronx, the Yankees got a 4-1 victory over the Cleveland Guardians. Garrett Cole, who... In His time in New York has been known for having some memorable postseason slip-ups. He actually pitched well yesterday. Six and one-third, one run allowed, eight strikeouts. The questions about who would close out the games for the Yankees with Aaronis Chapman, not on the postseason roster. Clay Holmes got the final two outs. They'll kind of piece it together by committee, but Clay Holmes has kind of been that guy throughout the course of the year. He had 20 saves. He's been very good. The Yankees get a 4-1 to win. I just don't know if the Guardians could score, right? Like the Yankees have a strong pitching staff as is, and the Guardians just aren't very good on offense. Like I, I have no doubt that the Guardians are going to hold down the Yankees to you know three, four, five runs. I don't think the Yankees will ever run away with a game in the series. The Guardians have good pitching, just don't know if they could score. They didn't like they didn't even score seven hundred runs this season. They scored six hundred eighty-nine or six hundred ninety-eight runs rather, compared to the Yankees eight hundred and seven. There's just a huge gap offensively between those teams, and I just don't know if the Guardians could score enough at the end of the day to do enough damage in that series. Then in the other National League game, the night camp, the Dodgers got a 5-3 win over the Padres in a game that really wasn't that close. The Dodgers got ahead 5-0 in the third inning and just kind of coasted to the win. The Padres got some runs in the middle innings to make it fairly close, but then the Dodgers' bullpen dominated. Phillips, Vesia, Gratterall, and Martin all combined, uh, to go four shutout innings as the Dodgers go up one game to nothing in that series. Game two today, we've got the Padres and the Dodgers pitching matchup there. Clayton Kershaw against Yu Darvish, that'll be a good one. The Dodgers are heavily favored with an over-under of seven. And then we got Kyle Wright in the game at 330. Kyle Wright of the Atlanta Braves will be taking on Zach Wheeler. Wheeler's incredible. We've told you about him. Kyle Wright ain't bad either. Kyle Wright had 21 wins on the season, actually the most in baseball 3.19 ERA, and he also has had some good success in the postseason. Braves have to have it. The Padres have to have it. Those are must-win games. You can't fall behind 2-0 in a best-of-five. So we'll be interested to see how it all shakes out. promised you football talk in that segment, and we end up talking about swimming and Major League Baseball. This is the way it happens here on Play by Play. We'll get to that other stuff later in the show. Let's catch a break when we get back. Um, B.J. Young, South LaFouche High School, will be joining us. His tarpons are taking on Morgan City for homecoming. We'll be right back after this talking with the old ball coach on KLEB. If weather holds up, there will be message games over at South Lafourche High School after school today, beginning around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Kids will be having fun. I'll be out there getting some pictures and everything of the sorts. That means that football practice has already happened, so let's chat with South LaFouche football coach B.J. Young, who's on the line now. Coach, good afternoon, buddy. How are you?
11: Good, man. How are (laughs) y'all?
3: Doing fine, bro. Um, You've had a couple of days with the guys, and your Wednesday practice, as we said a minute ago, is already complete. How's the week of preparations been for Morgan City, man?
11: Yeah, uh, you know, had a a good, good energy this week. Uh, Homecoming. You know, uh, a lot of people that that that's uh, come through the hall should uh, should be coming back, and uh, kids are excited to go out there and uh, and get to play. So, um, I had three good days of practice, man. We are uh, getting healthy, uh, so it's good to see some of them faces back out there.
3: Well, that was the next question I was going to ask: is you know, you guys were waiting on potentially getting your starting quarterback back. He was week to week. Uh, is this week going to be the week that we're going to see him?
11: Yeah, he'll be back this week. He uh, Got cleared on Monday. Uh, Monday, we actually practiced Monday morning. Uh, no school, right, fall break, so we practiced Monday morning. So he was actually not at practice Monday. He had a doctor's appointment at 8.30. So uh, he ended up getting cleared. So he got two days in this week, got a uh, yesterday and today. And uh, he had two good days, man. He, he, he's he been nipping at the bit for for three weeks, so he's, uh, he's excited to get back out there, and uh, we're excited to get him out there as well.
3: So, you know, the opportunity now is, look, and you you and I have talked about this. I thought Josh Mack in his couple of weeks has played great, but now he's got the opportunity to maybe slide back down, play some JV games, and play against kids that, frankly, are his age, you know, and and not have, you know, those big 300-pound guys bearing down on him, build some more confidence there. You're going to have an opportunity now in the coming weeks to play them both again, you know, JV game for Mack and, you know, Varsity game for uh, for Ogeron. It's going to be great for both kids.
11: Yeah, look, uh, he gets the – Look, I thought he stepped in and did a good job. Uh, I thought he did everything he, he, he had to do and uh, last week to give us a chance to win. Um, he got better every week. You know, people that come to all the games, he's gotten better every week. And uh, talking about a 14-year-old kid going out there under the, under them lights and uh, and getting to play, you know, it's a lot, man. And uh, he handled it well. Um, you know, even going back to JV, he's still not playing kids his age. You know, he's playing sophomores and juniors. And, you know he's a freshman, so but uh, yeah man, I'm super proud of him. I actually texted him uh, Sunday evening, just told him I was proud of him, uh, the way he handled himself and the way he played, and uh, because I think he did well. But uh, you know Carson's coming back and uh, he brings another element to the game. Uh, and, and look, man, we, he's excited to be out, there and we're excited to have him too. And then the right guard Dustin Berg's back. He, uh, he got cleared Monday to, to move around, and yesterday he got cleared to, uh, to to hit some people. So, I mean, I'm sorry, today he got cleared to uh, mix it up a little bit. So, it was good to see him back out there as well.
3: Bro, you were very frustrated on Saturday about the effort, and, and, you know, that's been a theme throughout the course of the years, you know, getting the kids to work harder and, you know, be more committed, and you were open about talking about how, hey, this is bigger than, you know, the, the kids. It's, you know, it's about everybody that's played before and everybody who's going to play after, and... You said openly, hey, we're going to shuffle the deck a little bit and we're going to find the 22 who want to be out there the most. Have you guys been successful in doing that in your three days of practice so far?
11: Yeah. I, uh, see, the, the thing is, uh, you know, you, you face adversity on on every Friday night, right? Even if things are going good, something's going to go wrong. And we just got to learn how to respond to certain things. You know, we, we, having a, we got a knack right now putting ourselves behind the eight ball early in a game. And, uh, you, you gotta learn not to hang your head and and keep playing, you know, especially if you're down 14 or whatever it is in the first quarter, there's a lot of football left to play. Um, but look, man, I think, I think, you know, when you, when you're one in five, it's hard, it's hard to come, uh, you know, as, as, as a player sometimes to, to come and still, and still compete and give effort. And, um, our kids have done that. You know, I feel like we had a good week this week. Um. You know, the message still was, you know, there's four big ones ahead of us with uh, with potential, you know, a lot of power points. You know, uh, if you beat Morgan City, you get ten. Um, if you if you win next week, they, they're five and one. You know, if you happen to pull that one off or win next week, then you, that's like a 16-and-a-half point win, and Ellen has got three wins. So if you happen to pull that one off, that's that's four power points. And um, So the last thing we need to do is give up with four games remaining because there's still games, on, and same thing with Vanderbilt. You know, a lot of power points are at stake there, so it's uh it's important not to give up uh, at this point in the year, and, and you got to kind of dig deep, find that inner pride, um, you know, play for the name that's on your chest, play for your, your your buddy on the side of you, and dig deep and try and try to and try to you know gut these last few, obviously you see you know let them fall as they may.
3: Tell me about Morgan City. You know, Tommy Menton told me on this show, hey, look, man, like they're not as bad as they usually are. You know, they've made some improvements, they've gotten better. And I've had a couple of other coaches tell me the same thing. What are some things that they do well, and what are some things you guys are going to have to be wary of on Friday night?
11: Yeah, look, I- I'm going to tell you, uh, they've kind of got the rep right that um, this is it, when you see them on the schedule, you talk them as a win, and it's, and it's a give me game, and um, that that's the farthest from the truth, uh, especially for us, man. I when I, when I turn when I turn the tape on, it, uh, man, they got athletes all over the place, and they have some dudes running uh Run an open versus assumption that if they catch it, you know they can do some damage. They had they had one hit like a rail route early against Ellender, and they couldn't catch it. Uh, they got they got some guys who can play football. I think the quarterback's really good. I think he's, he throws it real well. He stands in the pocket, throws, it and takes some hits, and he just gets right back up. So um, I I I think the offense got a lot of explosion that that's capable of happening if if uh you know if they hit him and if you go out there and and not have a lot of you know, good effort and energy and things of that nature. and Defensively, they got a big lineman who uh, who does a good job getting in the back and disrupts some stuff. And uh, they, they fly around, man. You see a lot of green green jerseys moving around to the football. So uh, they're they playing hard, man. And, and, and we have to have, you know, the right mindset to go out there, um, not just punch the clock uh, and uh, thinking we can just, you know, roll a helmet out there and then the SLs go win the game. We have to go out there and play football Friday night to give us a chance.
7: How do
3: you guys get the ground game going, brother? I know that having Carson's going to help because he could make some things happen with his feet as well, and I know there's going to be a big point of emphasis. What are some things we should be looking to see from the Tarpons on the ground on Friday?
11: Uh, probably not too much on the ground, to be honest with you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, man, it's going to be uh, – I'm going to tell you, I just – I mean, people that's playing us down the road, they're going to see it anyway. We, we're going to throw the football. Okay. Um, yeah, we, we're going to put in his hands. Uh and I think, man, I think our playmakers, we got a good playmakers on the perimeter that can make plays. And, uh, you know, see see what happens, man. Are we, uh, look, beat our heads against the wall for six weeks. Um, we got to try something different. Uh, we got our guy back. Um, receivers are super excited about it. I think our whole line does a good job in pass protection, you know. Um, so we talked about it before. You know, do you run the same offense you run every year? Do you kind of mold it to what your kids do better? And that's uh, kind of what we're doing, man. I think we pass, protect, all right. Uh, I think we run pretty good routes, and um, he can spin it. So, um, and then if things break down, he can run, you know. So uh, that, that's that's probably not gonna see too much on the ground. Now you still sprinkle in here and there, so, but we're gonna use it probably as a jab.
3: Okay, I got you, bro. And, and you know, yeah. conversely, on the flip side to that, I mean, with with some screens and slants and some short passing, right. you could almost right. make that into a running game, can't you?
11: Yeah, well, look, I'm gonna tell you, like the RPO game that you have, um, if they give you a certain look or a box, you know, if the numbers in the box are favorable for us. You'll see a run, you know, but but you're using that screen game on the perimeter and, and stuff like that. That's just perimeter runs. Um, that's the new age outside zone, you know. Uh, so, but you know, you'll see some runs because sometimes the numbers will dictate that you got to run the football. So, um, but yeah, man, you you you, you know, we should we'll try to piece it together and uh, see what it looks like.
3: I was talking with Coach Brody in the press box against uh, before the game against Assumption, and, and he was saying that you guys would love to get, you know, the traditional, like, screen pass game going, but you guys are struggling getting the timing down. And it feels like to me when I'm watching it, like, I I know you want to let them in, but it feels like you guys are maybe letting them in a little bit too soon and, like, it, the timing's just not there. What's going wrong there?
11: Yeah, uh, I, I think that's it, some time and stuff. Uh, we, t- we took our, uh, you know, our slow screen to the back was, was – uh, wasn't very good, so try to modify it a little bit. Now, I thought we kind of had it a little bit Friday night. Um, but, it, you know, first time looking at it versus live action. So kind of correcting some things this week in, in, the, in the screen game and uh, continue to get better at it because, uh, think, man, you got to have screens, man. You know, um, it, what's your answer if they keep getting to your quarterback and, you know, you sit back there and just let him get beat up? You know, you got to have some quick game. got to be able to move, move the pocket. You got to be able to get out his hands. Um you gotta have plays to where he's not thinking every down. You know, he's not have a progression to read every down or a D lineman to read if he pulls it or gives it. He's gotta have some plays to where there's just no thinking. Um, it's like riding a bike, you know, to take it off him a little bit, and uh, you know that that's, that's that brings that into uh, play, and that's kind of how we're gonna approach the game plan every week.
3: Defensively, you guys have been in a little bit of a rut. gave up a bunch, a bunch of big plays against Assumption, had an, and a lot of issues tackling. I know that you guys are going to keep working at it and keep repping and how they look so far in practice this week.
11: Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I can promise you we don't go out there and kind of see how many missed tackles we can have. Tonight.
10: You
11: know, <laughs> uh, um, but no, look, we did some more live periods and, you know, we, we got the tackling wheels and stuff that work on your angle and how to wrap up and hit low. And, um, but you got to, we talked about, it, you got to tackle people and, uh, we, we, that's what we're doing, you know, but, but we will bang you banged up and you're thin sometimes. So you gotta, you're trying to balance it, man, because, okay, if you lose your safety and your overhang and then you slide receiving and all of a sudden cure all goes out with a knee, I mean, not, not you're in some, you know, in some, uh, some deep water, uh, with no floaties. So we, um, you try to balance it, man, but, but we, uh, we still going live early in the week. And uh, you know, tackling to the ground because we have to. Uh, man, look, you got to make plays. You got to make tackles. You got to put people back in the huddle. Um, you got to put your team back in the huddle. You can't. Uh, you can't have. You know. You can't have the guy dead in the water and, and then let, and let him squirt out.
4: Last question. So, uh,
11: man, yeah, man, our, our kids are working hard, man. I can promise. You.
3: Last question before we let you go, bro. What are some of the keys to victory? What are some things you guys got to do well on Friday night to get your second win?
11: Yeah, I think if, if we can execute, um, not get, not not have negative plays on offense. And like, just like last week, man, we got to limit the explosive plays. You know, we're talking about 16-, 17-year-old kids. they got to go on a 10-play, 11-play drive. Something's going to happen. So we got to limit the explosive plays and, and not shoot ourselves in the foot on offense.
3: Very good, brother. Thanks so much for the time, man.
11: Yeah. All right, man.
3: Thank you all. That's BJ Young with South LaFouche High School. Um, Tarpons seem like they've had a couple of good days of work. We'll see if it'll carry over to the field against Morgan City. Those boys are hungry for a win, and I would love to see them get that opportunity on homecoming defend their home field and make it happen let's catch a break when we get back we're going to chat with taylor griffin the turtle and i will be talking about maybe some nba maybe some college football maybe some saints and then certainly some wrestling uh there's a whole lot going on wwe wise and taylor and i were actually texting one another throughout monday night raw so i know we're going to be chatting about that it is play by play on kleb we'll be right back after this
0: you're listening to kleb 1600 am and k274 de FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM. The French Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
5: Guaranteed.
7: When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's Shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store
3: It's Wednesday at 1215, so that means it's time to make a trip out to Dufresne and visit with our old buddy Taylor Griffin, our broadcast partner for South Lafouche High School Basketball, which, heck, again, I say it every Wednesday, it's October the 12th now. We're about a month away from being on the hardwood and watching those tarpons play. Turtle, what's going on, brother? How you doing?
1: Hey, doing good, doing good. How y'all doing over
3: there? <laughs> doing just fine, my friend. Uh, let's talk a little college football at the start. LSU was taking on Tennessee, Um, it didn't go so good. The Tigers got crushed, and maybe it was kind of a splash of water in the face of, hey, that top 25 ranking you had, you didn't deserve that. You're not as good as the biggest of the big dogs. But I think we're going to learn a lot more on Saturday against Florida, right? Because sometimes it's not about getting knocked on your butt. It's how you respond to getting knocked on your butt. LSU's young. It's year one under Brian Kelly. We've seen LSU teams in the past, and when they've lost a few, they've kind of given up. If LSU plays well Saturday, I think that we're going to learn a lot. But if they get walloped again, then certainly it's not a great sign, man. I feel like Saturday is a big game one way or another for the Tigers.
1: Yep, yep. I 100% agree, man. Uh, Tennessee was well, well above our class on Saturday. I mean, it, dude, I mean, literally the opening kickoff just makes you want to turn the TV off the way LSU handled that. Um but, uh, you know, Florida's not doing so hot this year either. I think it'll be a great matchup. I'm very interested to see it. And as you mentioned, I'm interested to see how we respond to such a horrible butt-whooping on Saturday, you know, going to the Swamp. And, uh, you know, it's one of those real tests. Let, you know, let's, let's see what we're really made of here.
3: Um, LSU has a lot of questions. And, and, and Brian Kelly hasn't asked any of these questions or posed any of these questions. But fans are wondering about Jaden Daniels. I think he's actually doing okay given the lack of offensive line, given the fact that half of his receiving core probably doesn't want to be there and some of the other challenges that he's faced. But there are some fans who are saying, hey, man, maybe we should try something different. What say you?
1: I have zero issue with Jaden Daniels. I think he is the least of all the problems going on out there. Um, First of all, on his side of the ball – I can't see any valid, educated reason to leave Keyshawn Booty in there other than as a decoy at this point. Either get him off the team, or maybe it's just a bold coaching strategy to just be a distraction because he is problem number one, in my opinion. The O-line, struggling. Yeah, Jaden Daniels is a great runner, but he doesn't necessarily need to be running for his life every play. O-line needs some improvement. The defense, undisciplined. Poor tackling. It's just disappointing all around. Pretty much everywhere but Jaden Daniels,
3: from what I'm seeing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that he's playing much better than what he's being given credit for. Um, let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. They get right. Oh, I say get right. They limp through a game with the Seahawks and struggle, but they do get a win, and in the NFL that's all that matters. Now you're taking on Cincinnati, and that'll be a little bit of a step up in class. You're back in the Dome. It'll be kind of a 50-50 crowd, right? A lot of folks will be out there rooting for Burrow. Um, what say Bunch you? Of fake Do you Saints fans w- was that?
1: Bunch of fake Saints fans. I'm sorry.
3: Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about that, man. You're, you're playing in a, in, a, in an environment that's not going to be as rowdy against a team that's going to be better than you know what you faced last week. Andy Dalton played okay Sunday, but he you know he did throw into the other team and he he wasn't as good. What are you expecting from New Orleans on Sunday?
1: Man, nobody's talking about one of the main stories. I mean, it's not necessarily – let me retract. It's not one of the main stories, but no one is giving any credit to Andy Dalton and what might be brewing in the back of his head. Dude, he's playing against his former team that he spent all those good years yep. with. Like, how about that little extra motivation? Everybody's so focused on Joe Burrow, and, and you know, it's, it's going to be this and that for him and a uh, homecoming, and, I mean – how about Andy Dalton? Andy Dalton's fixing to have the game of his life Sunday. That's what I'm predicting. Get some good Andy Dalton and Taysom hill action. I think Sunday's going to be fun. I think, uh, yeah, while Joe Burrow will have his supporters out there, uh, Joe Burrow has never played in a away Saints game in the Dome. Yeah, that is his Dome, sweet Dome, sweet home, whatever you want to say. You know, he's, he's got he's got some fantastic games that he played in there, but – He's never been a visitor at a Saints game. This is going to be something new for him. It's a different kind of loud when you're on the other end of the football.
3: Hey, Look, dude, and I, I do think that you're right about that. But let's be honest. Had the Saints lost to the Seahawks on Sunday in the Dome and would, and had they dropped to 1-4, and four, it would have been a Bengals home game in the Dome. Let's be honest. The Saints are know, carrying some right. momentum, but there's going to be some Bengal fans out there.
1: I'll give you that. I'll give you that. And I think, um, you know, what no one's talking about um, – Cam Jordan deserves a ton of credit for doing what he did this Sunday, and really just continuing to give the Saints life, and really continuing to give life to the crowd. Like, hey, we're still here. We're still a contender. We're getting we're getting right this week, and you know, yeah, you you're correct. If they would have lost this game to the Seahawks, yeah, it would it would be an ugly situation this Sunday. But um, I think they're still they're still very much in it. And uh, it's not it's not going to be as pro-borough as uh, as everyone's thinking,
3: dude. What's going on, man? But like, I, I understand that. Okay, we want to take the concussions away, and we've had some scary instances. But we've also this past week had some embarrassing calls with the officials, where like you're just tackling Tom Brady and getting called for roughing the passer. And then there were some other instances that were far worse. And like, what's going on, man? Like, I feel like. At some point someone much smarter than you or I or much smarter than Roger Goodell needs to come to the realization of hey, concussions suck. But these dudes are being paid tens of millions of dollars to deal with that risk. Like why aren't we letting the football players play football anymore?
1: It's I think it was just whatever the reps do as far as their their meetings during the week, their emails, their Zooms, whatever they're doing, discussing how everyone did on Sunday and how we could prepare and get better and what points of emphasis we need to focus on. Everyone just got really scared with the Tua situation, and they are, I mean, I don't want to say overreacting and seem sensitive about the whole Tua situation. It was It was a freak play it was it was a scary thing to see and then he should have never been cleared and then it was another freak play even scarier thing to see yeah you're absolutely right about that everyone who thinks man we should be more careful we should be cautious we should be this and that but this is too far man that that wasn't some normal thing that we saw on prime time in that night game when, you know, Tua's fingers all crotcheted and, you know, with, like, this is... I I think everyone overreacted. I think everyone took way too many extra special steps to protect the quarterbacks for the rest of the season. It's, It's way out of hand. We're talking basic textbook elementary tackles, basic what else do you want him to do? Situations for these tacklers. This this was way this was way too far, way out of hand this weekend.
3: Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, in the NBA, we are having this whole ordeal with Draymond Green. He knocked out a teammate in practice. And on one hand, you got you know Steve Kerr and the folks who are saying, "Hey, man, fights in practice happen all the time." And we hear the notorious story of Michael Jordan who you know, has gotten in his share of some scuffles or whatever. But on the other hand, we did see it on the video, and he didn't just, like, punch him; He knocked him out. Like, spaghetti legs knocked him out. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts, man? Like, okay, this is part of it. Sometimes you're going to scuffle with brothers or whatever, but Draymond has a little bit of a rep and a little bit of a history. And, like, what are your thoughts as you're seeing that play out? I, um, I'll tell you one thing.
1: Whenever Draymond can't find his way on a roster anymore, he's got a – Celebrity boxing attraction. <laughs> uh, he, he's got a future there. He end up on Rough and Rowdy or, or one of those other uh, whatever promotions. Uh, he's he's gonna find his way into a celebrity boxing match. The guys over at Barstool are probably drooling over that situation. But uh, man, I, I get it. I, I get being really emotional, especially in practice. I mean, essentially, you know. If you're doing it right, practice should be harder than the games. Practice should be more difficult. Practice should be more intense so that the games come easy to you. And you're just so over-prepared and so in such better shape that the game should be easier. You know, you worked your kinks out. You worked your mistakes out. You learned, You went super, super hard. And then you take that same level and that same intensity to a game, and it's like, oh, these guys – don't prepare like us like this and and that's that's how you run away with 20 point victories that that's that's winning basketball right there and Draymond is Draymond he's an intense guy he he holds himself and his teammates accountable and he he saw something he didn't like he heard something he didn't like he had enough and he I mean was it extreme yeah of course it's extreme sometimes you have to be extreme it's, I'm not necessarily praising it defending it condemning it either way hundred percent but it's just hey I understand I'm I'm not I'm not mad about it I don't really know much about Jordan pool either way so I'm not you know it's hard to form a full opinion on it but it's all I could say is hey I get it especially coming from Draymond who is? a vocal and physical leader like I get it That's that's really all I can say here
3: <laughs> yeah Nichols basketball is beginning here shortly and look one of the big pieces and I'm not asking you to dive into the roster because that's the lead part of the question is we don't know a whole lot about the roster they've lost a lot of guys off of last season But the overwhelming sentiment, I guess, Taylor, is that, man, when you got Austin like they're going to have some guys who could play. I pulled up the roster right now. They've added Josh LeBlanc, who is a former great Louisiana high school basketball player. He's a transfer from UAB. Uh, They've added transfers from Indiana State. There's a bunch of names that we don't recognize on here, but it's going to be fun to watch them figure it out. You know, they're going to be talented and athletic, and I can't wait to watch the Colonels, bro.
1: Yeah, man, they – ever since Richie Riley brought brought his new style here and, you know, Austin Claunch was learning under him and he, and he just really, you know, kept the book open and continued that style of, you know, instead of recruiting from all over the place and just just bringing in a whole bunch of freshmen and, and hope we just keep developing, I, I love let's go get a bunch of 50 here, guys. Uh, let's go get a bunch of grown men. Let's go get some guys who are transferring from bigger schools who are just looking for one last opportunity, and, and, and they're, they're humble enough. They don't care that they're not playing in that big arena anymore. They're okay with playing in Stoufford Gymnasium. They just want one more shot, and they're hungry. Let's go get all those grown, mature guys to just get on a roll, get on the court all I'm doing is is getting them comfortable in our system I don't have to like
6: worry about
1: first time in college fundamentals anymore like I love this this is this is something I I mean in the past I never saw this working I didn't even know this was much of a thing you know when I was you know 15 years ago you know really paying attention to all this this is I love the strategy. I love what Austin Conch is doing, and yeah, now you got me scrolling through the roster too, and I'm looking, at, I'm looking at you know fifth year guy, red shirt senior guy, another fifth year, a senior, a grad grad student senior, red shirt senior. That's awesome. I I cannot wait to go watch as many Nichols games as possible. You know this is this is going to be exciting.
3: I tell you this, and I saw Josh LeBlanc senior play when he was at Madison Prep in high school. They better reinforce the backboard. They better reinforce the rim. He's that kind of dude. He is going to posterize some folks. It's going to be awesome to watch. <laughs> That's
1: great, man. I, I did not know that about Josh LeBlanc. Now I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to get some info on him here. There's not much other than I see he's from Baton Rouge, Madison Prep, UAB, six seven two thirty. He's a senior, so he's a seasoned veteran college basketball player coming from UAB. He's a senior, and he's ready to roll. And UAB plays in a probably stronger, maybe equivalent conference to the Southland, depending on what kind of year everybody's having. Uh, like, he's he's going to be a great fit. That's awesome, man. I, I, I cannot wait to, uh, to
3: see what happens here. Well, just some background. He signed out of... College or out of high school, I'm sorry, with Georgetown and played a couple of seasons with Ewing and over there and as a freshman, averaged nine points a game with Georgetown. Then he had a little cup of coffee at LSU and then he moved to UAB. So he's been a journeyman, he's been all over. But I feel like, you know, maybe out of high school, kind of outkicked this coverage going to Georgetown. Maybe even LSU is the same. In the Southland, though, he's going to do some big things. Whereas 6'7's undersized in the SEC. And the Southland, Bubba, you one of the big dogs out there. Yeah, he's gonna make an instant impact. I'm telling you guys right now, he's gonna he's gonna have a big big mark next year on that team.
1: Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, I I love it, man. I, I didn't I didn't even realize. You know, I, the more the conversation continues, the more you're educating me on this guy. I had no idea he went Georgetown <laughs> first. I mean, that's, that's that says a lot about him, man. He, you know, whether or not he got over there, a bit off more than he could chew, and you know, realize maybe he wasn't quite cut out to be a star in, in the Big East. I mean, oh, well. I mean, that's the fact that he had the look, he had the attention, he had the opportunity to go that far, that high, Dude's the real deal. I don't even have to see him on the court yet. He is the real deal. This is going to be super fun. It's going to be a phenomenal year for the Colonels again, as long as everybody stays healthy. You know, Stouffer Gym should be packed every time the Colonels are, are at home.
3: Let's talk some wrestling. We've got WWE who is doing some great stuff, bro. Um, <laughs> have a pay-per-view on Saturday or a premium live event on Saturday uh, where you have you know some interesting results and then you also have the debut of Bray Wyatt. You follow that up with Monday Night Raw, which I thought was a solid show as well. What storylines do you like right now? What storylines do you not like? Give us a rundown of the past week in WWE.
1: I, <clears throat> I still absolutely love the mysterious uh miz being kidnapped by this uh dexter fella every week just finding a different creative way for him to come in and and and, and
3: spook him and then it looks
1: like they finally uh got a match lined up between the two guys you know with road dog making that appearance and you know backstage saying that uh those two those two guys could go at it next week or whatever it was um I love that storyline. I love the fact that Bray Wyatt's back, and I'm just on edge, on pins and needles. Cannot wait to see what they do with him. You know, how long are they gonna build this up, and what's gonna happen next? Uh, the uh, the whole Mysterio storyline right now, with uh, you know, I think as, as you and I were texting Monday night, I think this is a solid build up to Dominic is coming into his own. You know, he's he's with this this heel stable right now with uh with judgment day and you know he's going to continue to attack his dad and get in his face and dare him to hit him and scream in his face to you know just just beg him to get violent with him Ray's going to keep saying no 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 and walk away from it I mean this is this is Undertaker Kane for the first time all over again this is you know, the bad guy attacking the good guy. The good guys i attacking back because they're family. He's refusing to, you know, get involved with it. And he's finally going to have enough come January, February, whatever it is. And he's going to come back after an injury or whatever to, whatever storyline they decide to do. And, you know, all right, screw it. It's on. I don't care that you, my son, me and you, WrestleMania, let's go. This, I mean, that's that's what I'm predicting. But that's, this is exactly what it smells like watching all of these all of these episodes of Raw and whatever's going on at the pay-per-view. You know, this is this is the buildup that I can smell coming. Um, I love that storyline, too, as well. I'm glued to the TV when, when those two are
3: involved. So with Braun Strowman back, with Bray Wyatt back, with Cody likely to return by the time the Royal Rumble happens, if they're all in the Royal Rumble, who's going to win the Royal Rumble?
1: Whew, that's a tough one. <clears throat> I mean, I feel like the easy thing is Cody wins the Royal Rumble, and he's picking you know whoever he's facing for the title at WrestleMania. I just don't know who's gonna have it at that point because there's so many possibilities, so many what ifs, so many, you know, what about the Rock and Roman Reigns? Do you keep the belt on reigns for WrestleMania? Is the rock even coming? You know, there there's so many things left to the imagination, which is the beauty of this year of wrestling anyway, because it's not as predictable as it usually is. It's not as dull. It's super exciting. It 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 feels like twenty years ago again. It's uh it's hard to tell. And then, and look, did, did did you mention Brock Lesnar was back Monday yeah. too? Yeah. I mean, that's, what do you do with all those guys? I mean, you have a fatal four-way, you have some kind of super four-man hell in a cell, something. I, I don't know. You got, you got to do something creative with all those guys. Or you just throw them all in the rumble. I don't know. But I think, I think ultimately Cody wins the Royal Rumble and, sets himself up to win the title at WrestleMania. I guess who? I have no idea, but I think that's where we're
3: going. So let's talk about that because you mentioned it a second ago, and you and I have been tailing this now for the last three, four months. The Rock was on a Hollywood podcast and was asked by a female reporter, and, hey, do you acknowledge Roman Reigns as the head of the table? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, blah, blah, blah. I love what Roman's doing, blah, 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 blah. Then the next day he was on another show and was asked by this time a male reporter, hey, Do you acknowledge Roman Reigns as the head of the table, whatever? And The Rock said, no, uh, that's me. Like, I'm the head of the table. So, I feel like someone at WWE heard that first answer, maybe caught him off guard, and maybe someone sent a note like, hey, bro, what the hell? I'm now more convinced than ever that the plans on paper are for The Rock and Roman at Mania. I was smiling listening to that second comment. You don't say that unless if you're intending to come back. I think he's lined up.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely for, for him and the way he said it. I mean, didn't he say it's something like, "You, as far as who's the head of the table now, you, you're looking into his yep. eyes right now." I mean, that's that's textbook Hollywood character. That that's that's entertaining stuff. That's not just he didn't laugh it off and just say, "No, no, it's me." Like he he set himself up. That that is a sneaky promo. It's gotta happen. Barring injury or anything else, his schedule is clear. It's got to happen.
3: That would be something else, my friend. Taylor, before we let you go, um, let's briefly chat about the Pelicans. They're playing pretty well in the preseason. Zion looks great. I know a lot of folks are super excited. Are you one of them, brother?
1: Absolutely, man. It's <clears throat> ever since, what was it, 2002 or 2000. I don't know, when, when did the Hornets come to New Orleans? I have been a New Orleans professional basketball fan since they got here. I was super psyched to have the Hornets. You know, I was still excited when they changed to the Pelicans, even when the they were 17 and 52 or whatever, and all we had to look forward to was Bryce Drew. You know, <laughs> I, I, was still, I was still happy to get some $12 lower bowl tickets on a Wednesday night against the Milwaukee Bucks just because it was an NBA game in town. Like, I, I'm there I super excited that we have so much good to look forward to with this healthy, young, exciting, explosive Pelicans core that we have
3: right now. I'm laughing because you're saying you're excited to get tickets to watch the Milwaukee Bucks. Now that would mean going to see Giannis, but you're talking about the Michael Red awful Milwaukee Bucks from yesteryear <laughs> yes
1: yes yes
3: very good well look man thanks so much for the time we'll chat again next Wednesday okay bro
1: yep yep sounds good man uh thank you for everything and uh as always go Tarps and God bless America
3: yes sir that is Taylor Griffin doing a great job he's following the wrestling and the WWE I love his points and I love his takes one thing man He's right. They are building a really strong roster. I think that they're going to need to get two championships back. Right now, Roman's got them all, and that's cool. It's part of the story. Got enough talent now where you could reasonably have you know, two different sets of belts for folks to go and chase. I think that should happen in the future. Let's
0: catch a break when we get back.
3: I'll get to the mailbag. It's play-by-play on KLEV.
0: The music on the Bayou, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM.
8: Hello
6: friends and family, Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called DoFriend Easy Buy? Come see us at dofriendlumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Golfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Do Friend difference.
3: You know, I got got kind of scolded by a listener the other day. They said, Casey, on Monday, you always say that the W's and L's is everyone's favorite segment of the week. But then on Wednesday, you also say that everybody's favorite segment of the week is the mailbag. And then on Friday, you say everybody's favorite segment is the weekend predictions. It could only be one or the other, right? Uh. Yeah, you're right. I guess I got to pick and choose my words better. So, how about this? It's one of everybody's favorite segments of the week coming up, which is our mailbag segment. I'm at Casey underscore Jisclair on Twitter, at KLEB Radio on Twitter, Casey Jisclair on Facebook, KLEB Radio on Facebook. I'm at Casey at gmail.com. Find a way to get a hold of me with your mailbag questions. Heck, my buddy Billy Joe just sent me a mailbag question right now. So, Billy Joe, I'm going to lead off with your mailbag question right out of the gate. This was just texted to me like a minute ago. Billy wants to know, Casey, should the Saints let Taysom Hill play some defense also? Hell, why not? (laughs) Why not? Um, You know, like all joking aside, if they trained him and taught him, and I, I get that he wouldn't know the plays and he maybe wouldn't know the techniques, but I have no doubt. That if Taysom Hill spent an offseason working on like tackling and working on the footwork of being like a linebacker, I have no doubt that he could do it. The dude is a football player, right? A football player. He plays a receiver, he plays running back, quarterback. <laughs> I just wish for his sake that earlier in his career, he would have realized that the quarterback thing wasn't going to work out. Because if he would have earlier in his career embraced this Swiss army knife type role in his 20s instead of now in his 30s, because look, that's the thing. That's the shame of it with Taysom. He's 32. He's only going to be able to do this another couple of years, man. He takes a beating back there. He's not going to be able to be 35, 36 years old running the ball and getting killed out there. He's going to be able to do this for just another couple of years. If he would have embraced it earlier, he could have made so much more money, been such a bigger star. Um, But man, I have no doubt if, if you teach him the techniques and the fundamentals and how to tackle, and he loves the contact, he's not going to be afraid of that. He could absolutely play defense. He could, dude, dude could do whatever on the football field. He's just that rare type of guy. Listener wants to know, Casey, Bengals or Saints, who are you rooting for? This one's an easy, for, easy one for me. I'm rooting for the Bengals, man. I, and look, it has nothing to do with me, you know, choosing Burrow over, you know, the Saints. I not just a Saints fan. Like I'm not I'm not a Saints fan. It is what it is. The Bengals are my second favorite team in the NFL behind the Dallas Cowboys. So it's an easy one for me. I root for the Bengals just about every Sunday. And the Saints, they're just whatever, you know, if they win, that's cool. It makes great stuff for me to talk about on the show if not, and that's okay too. Um but yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals, man. And look, if the Saints win, I won't be surprised. I think the Saints got a great pass rush. I think they're going to be able to pressure Joe Burrow, knock him off of his spots. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he connects with Jamar Chase for three touchdowns either. It's a true toss-up game. It's a game that I'm not going to be betting on at all. because I, the, the Bengals are a one-point favorite. I think it's a true toss-up. I don't have a clue how it's going to go. But I'm rooting for the Bengals, of course, man. I Joe, Look, I went to LSU. So I'm a huge LSU fan. Joe Burrow saved LSU's football program. I never played for the Saints. I'm not from New Orleans. A lot of folks say, oh, man, that's your hometown team. No, it ain't. I ain't from New Orleans. LSU, Louisiana State University, that is my home state flagship university. So, yeah, I'm rooting for the Bengals, bro. I'm rooting for Joe Burrow. And look, if there there are other LSU fans who are rooting for the Saints, that's okay, too. That's okay, too, man. Root for whoever the heck you want to root for, man. It is what it is. man. It's not a big deal either way. Root for whoever you want to root for. listener wants to know, Casey, Dak or Cooper in Dallas? This is an easy one for me. Until Cooper Rush loses a game, he ain't sitting, bro. Like, until he loses a game, he's playing. He's 5-0. He's 5-0. And look, a lot of folks at the beginning were saying, okay, it's a fluke. He's beating teams that aren't any good. We have since learned... That The New York Giants are pretty damn good. They're 4-1. and The only loss was to Dallas. They beat Green Bay. They're not bad. A lot of folks were saying, oh, they're going to go play the Rams on the road and they're going to get their butts kicked. Cooper actually played pretty well. I know that you guys are looking at the stats and saying, oh, he only had 102 yards passing. There were two long passes in that game that were dropped that would have been 50-yard touchdowns. If that stat line would be 12 of 16 with 200 yards and two touchdowns, everybody would be visiting that stat line much differently. Until Rush loses the game, he's in there. You, you don't change something that's not broken, and until he is going to you know, take one on the chin, he's out there if it's me. Listener wants to know, Casey, why are Lafourche Parish High Schools behind the eight ball in football this is probably someone who listened to After the Lights on Friday who wants to, as I asked the same question to Coach Brian Colley. It's multifaceted. Okay, this is a complex issue, and for me to answer it in just this segment is, is difficult. <laughs> but I'll do the best that I can. The first piece of it is that it's a down talent cycle right now. It is. You know, South Lafouche had a huge senior group last year. Thibodeau lost a bunch of talent. Central Lafouche is very young and everything in the next few years will revisit. That's the first thing. It's a down talent cycle. The second thing is those 5A schools are just at a competitive disadvantage. Thibodeau and Central are competing against schools that have much greater enrollment than they do. Have much more talented athletes than they do to talent advantage for the river versus the bayou and then in four A with south lafouche they actually were on the opposite end of that they should have been performing better and you know when they had great athletes they did and, and this year it's kind of a struggle then the third thing is what we talked about friday on the post game show there's some coaching issues right and i'm not please 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 no I'm not saying that Chris Dugas is a bad coach. I'm not saying that Pop's a bad coach. I'm not saying that B.J. Young's a bad coach. I'm not saying that anyone on any of the staffs is a bad coach. But Hanville and Destrehan and East St. John and Lutcher and those schools on the river and whatever, they're taking guys from the Bayou region with them. they they're got some Bayou region guys over there coaching. There are some guys in the Bayou region who are more than capable of coaching, but who are not even in the profession anymore because of the pay. They're working offshore. They're doing sales. They're doing other things. That matters. That matters. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but there are some guys that I know definitively, and I'm seeing their faces in my head right now, at all three of the schools. That could help, but they're not even in the profession. That hurts. So I think it's a combination of talent, you know, enrollment numbers, and then you know the the coaching pay. We've got to figure out ways to increase the teacher pay. I saw, you know, in the newspaper, coach. Uh, I said, Coach Mister Jared Martin is looking to increase those numbers by four thousand a year. It's a good start. It's a good start. Anything helps, and you know, we got to get people back in the profession. Listener wants to know, Casey, who's the best team in the NFL right now? Buffalo Bills. Period. Point blank. Period. They've got the most explosiveness. They've got a great quarterback. They've got a really solid defense. (laughs) They play with attitude. I know that they lost to the Dolphins, but man, they outgained the Dolphins by double in that game. They dominated the game. They just didn't win on the scoreboard. Buffalo, to me, is the best team in the NFL. I think they're going to go on the road and beat the Chiefs on Sunday. And even if they don't lose to the Chiefs, it's not going to change my mind. I think that whenever it comes time to the postseason, they're going to be the team to beat. Question five. Casey, can anyone outside of the SEC beat Georgia or Alabama? <sighs> this is hard for me. I'm a huge SEC apologist. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think Ohio State can maybe play with them this year. I think maybe Clemson, if they get good quarterback play, could play with them. But more important than that, like I think there are some other teams in the SEC, and I know the question was outside of the SEC, but there are some other teams in the SEC who may dethrone them. Tennessee might be ready to, you know, to kind of take that throne. Um, So, yeah, I'm not convinced that Georgia and Alabama are the, the head and shoulders two best teams in the country. I'm not there yet. Alabama has left some to be desired. Georgia, man, they've, <laughs> at times, they've been brutal to watch. So, there you go. Listener wants to know, Casey, who's the most overrated team in college football? I got the top 25 pulled up. Um... Kansas is ranked 19th. God bless you Kansas. You're a great story. You're 5 and 1. You've done far better than anyone ever expected you to do. You're not the 19th best team in the country. I'm sorry. You're just not. Um they're not going to be long for that that spot. They've got Oklahoma coming up. Oklahoma's going to be hungry and I get it Oklahoma's not very good, but they're going to be hungry. Then you got Baylor. Then you got Oklahoma. It's like they're about to play the meat of their schedule. In a couple of weeks, we'll revisit that and say Kansas didn't belong in that spot. They're the team that's sitting there that maybe we're saying, eh, I don't know if they actually should be there because they're not the 19th best team in the country. Casey, who will be good in middle school basketball this season? That's a great question. To be honest, I don't know. Like I'm hearing that West Thibodeau girls will have a lot of talent coming up, some really young talent, but it's gonna be young talent. You're gonna to have to beat LCO, who is exceptional. You know, Damon's got the girls at Golden Medal. They're gonna play hard. They're gonna be talented on the boys. Raceland is the defending Parish champs. LCO's got a lot of size. Again, you know, Damon and, and, and Dew are gonna be coaching the boys there. They're gonna play hard. Um, I don't know a whole lot about um uh Sixth Ward and those other schools. It's going to be wide open, and it's going to be fun to follow, and I actually can't wait. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to go get pictures and and recap some of those games. And uh, we're actually programming, though it's not middle school basketball, middle school football. We're actually looking to do the LCO Golden Medal game on radio in a couple of weeks, Uh, so that'll be a whole lot of fun as well. Kind of merging two segments into one here on Play by Play. I'm going to wrap up the show right here. I'm going to give you some betting picks, and then we'll get out of Dodge. I like my Braves today. Minus 138 money line. I think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to go down 0-2. I think they're going to win today. I like the Dodgers today to score over four and a half runs against the Padres. They scored five yesterday. I think they're going to score their share again today. I like the Dodgers to get the win. Well, not picking them to get the win. I'm picking them. Actually, it's not four four and a half. It's over four. So I like the Dodgers to go over four today against the Padres in the run total. And then there is a college football game today. And in that college football game today, I am going to pick the Raging Cajuns, UL Lafayette, to cover 10.5 against Marshall. The Cajuns have struggled this year, but I think they're going to play better. I think they're going to play harder, and I think that they're going to get a strong result. And if they lose, it'll be close against the thundering herd of Marshall. Thanks to Turtle for the time. Thanks to BJ Young for the time. Thanks to you all for your questions and for listening. Sorry I missed yesterday. Just had some stuff at home we had to deal with. We're we're tied up. Couldn't make it happen. But we will be back the rest of the week. Uh, Tomorrow's show should be good. We're going to get Stan on. We'll talk about everything that we should be looking forward to high school football-wise. Then Friday, uh, you know, it'll be Damon. It'll be Chandler. We'll be breaking down matchups and talking about LSU and the Saints and everything in between. So have a wonderful rest of the day. If the weather holds up, I'll be out at messy games. Come say hi. Um, Have a wonderful rest of the day. To everybody traveling on them roads, please be safe, man. We've had too many instances of uh, in recent days of you know, folks being tragically lost on the road, so please be safe. To everybody who's hurting because of some of those tragedies in the community, we're thinking and praying for you all. We're we'll back the same time tomorrow. You've been listening to Play by Play. This is Casey Justler signing off. God bless, everybody.
2: Hoorah! I am Wilbur Lewis, a Vietnam veteran. With the help of some generous donors, I'm trying to get our local veterans together, along with their wives, for a Veterans Day dinner at the VFW hall in La Rose on November the 12th at 6:30 p.m. If I have not contacted you yet and you are interested in attending the dinner, please text me your name and phone number and the branch of service 985-637-3849 637-3849. Hoorah! thank you.